గుడ్ ఈవినింగ్ సుచిత్ర గారు వెల్కమ్ టు హర్షణీయం గుడ్ ఈవినింగ్ చైల్డ్హుడ్ అండ్ స్టూడెంట్ లైఫ్ కెన్ యూ టెల్ అస్ హౌ ఇట్ ఇంపాక్టెడ్ యువర్ లిటరీ జర్నీ I was born in Madras. It was not called Chennai then. My mother was a reader. So I think I kind of inherited the love of reading from her. And I was reading very early in life. But then my father was in a job where we had to move a lot. So uh, I spent part of my childhood in uh, in Chennai and then in Madurai. And then we spent actually a part of it in, uh, in Vijayawada and Hyderabad. I was in Vijayawada for a year and Hyderabad for half a year. I think what that did was to expose me to languages and cultures uh, sort of outside uh, in the Tamil Nadu but also even within Tamil Nadu so many different kinds of uh, cultural elements in Chennai where I grew up the the temple culture and uh, uh, the sort of bhakti literature I was exposed to was very different from what I saw in Madurai so the v- various influences I think um, to some extent they they shape my understanding of my surroundings I should say so this was on one level right this is how your immediate culture affects you but also uh, i was reading a lot uh, basically spending a lot of time in the library reading european literature the books came out of america and so on so uh, i think that having uh, sort of both of these influences being able to travel in india and reading extensively i think both of that uh, shaped me as a reader and shaped me as somebody curious about understanding uh, other people then you moved to usa right yeah so in uh, 2009 i finished my college and i moved to uh, pittsburgh for a phd i did a phd in biology uh, and yeah, it was at that time i actually started reading more of indian literature because up until then till i was in college i was actually trying to uh, you know read, i was reading kafka i was reading dostoevsky uh, writers like that you know who, who are very popular among the, even today among the college reading sort of serious reading crowd but i didn't know for example that there was a, a vibrant literature in uh, tamil um, and i was not reading so deeply in tamil uh, so it was only when i went to the us that uh, i slowly started discovering these authors and i was able to spend some time and read them so modern tamil literature is only 100 years old but it has produced uh, many many uh, sort of excellent kinds of re- uh, kinds of writers like i said uh, the first uh, sort of serious tamil literary work that i read was uh, i suppose it was ashoka mitran's padinetta uh, adachakod in english it has come out as the 18th parallel ashoka mitran is a uh, is is perhaps uh, one of the finest writers that tamil language has produced one of the finest writers uh, to write out of uh, to write in anywhere in the world uh, he writes about very ordinary things about uh, the lives of uh, you know very short periods of time uh, a day in the life of uh, of an ordinary man or even even 5 minutes in the life of uh, an office going person and in that he is able to show so much uh, understanding about the human condition and so much uh, there is so much empathy that you see uh, in that in that short span that he is recording so he is a master of the short story uh, but uh, this 18th parallel is a novel which is uh, interestingly it is set in uh, hyderabad during the time of uh, uh, you know when, uh, when 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 hyderabad was uh, it became part of uh, india in 1947 um, uh, so this uh, you know this this sort of uh, uh, set the tone for me so apart from ashok mitran i think uh, the writers who i really like in tamil are um, jayakandan and uh, kira janarayanan kira janarayanan kira is again uh, somebody who um, uh, i think i think uh, what i really like uh, uh, 
enjoyed about Kira when I discovered him uh, was uh, how um, uh, uh, rooted his metaphors were in the landscape that he came from. I really enjoyed reading uh, world literature. And I think when I discovered Ashoka Mitran, I saw that, you know, this is not just something which exists out there in the world. This exists in a language that I actually speak at home. So that was what I understood. Uh, when I discovered Kira, it was, you know, after a time that I had spent in Madurai where I had, uh, you know, just the, the landscape around me, the people around me, it, beca- it had become a part of me, but I realized that I didn't know anything more about it. Landscape has its own stories, you know, that the land uh, and, and, and when people interact with the land, uh, they, they, they have... Uh, they, they have certain wisdoms that they come to understand. Uh, that, that 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 you know you also kind of you 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 know it within yourself. I I don't know if I'm being too vague, but you know when 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 you are part of a land, when when the land has become a part of you, there are things you understand, but you don't know how to put voice to it. So Kiranjanan he tells you how about those things. So he he taps into folk tales. He taps into mythology. And uh, he's able to, uh, to 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 give voice to those things. So he's he's a master in that regard. Uh, and uh, in the generation after that, I think uh, Jay Mohan is a big influence. I, I really enjoy his uh, his writing, and I think he's uh, uh, you know head and shoulders above uh, anyone else writing today. We will come to that. We will come to that. When did you start translating from Tamil? Into so I English? think it was a general sort of a progressive journey. You know, I started as a reader. Uh, like I said, I was reading when I was very, very uh, young. And uh, I kept reading. And of course, like any reader does at some point, you start to try your hand at writing. You have fancies that you are a writer. And I mean, I had a very strong uh, feeling that I was a writer ever since I was 12, 13 years old. So I've constantly been writing something or the other. Whether it was good or not, I would write. Uh, things have gotten published, uh, but whatever, you know, then, and then when, when until I was 19, 20, I wrote, and then I realized that, you know, this is not what I want to write. I I don't have any craft or, you know, this is, um, I need to do something more to actually become a writer. So maybe I'll not write for some time. Let me just read. And I started to read a lot. So this is what I told you. This is, this, all this happened in parallel to my uh, sort of professional journey, like uh, you know, uh, growing up in uh, in, uh, in Madurai and then coming to the US, all that happened. Uh, all this happened parallelly. Then um, you know, um, as I was reading, I realized uh, that I wanted to read more of Indian literature, not just in Tamil. I wanted to read because I was re- at that point. I think I read S. L. Bhairappa's uh, Parva. I read it in English translation, and I know the translation was not. Great, you know, it, it gave me a sense of the novel, but I didn't uh, didn't particularly draw me. Interestingly, a lot of the novels that I read in translation during that period were based on the Mahabharata. I think that tradition is very strong in Indian languages. One novel that I remember during, reading during that years that you know took my breath away was M.T. Um, Vasudevan Nair's novel called the Randamula. The second turn, it was called in it was called it was uh, Mahabharata from uh, uh, Beeman's point of view. Uh, and I mean, it 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 uh, it was uh, you know uh, when I read it, I think I was twenty one or twenty two, and the way he had treated the Mahabharata, and you know, gave in the end, it it actually comes to a very earthly understanding of events in the Mahabharata, and uh, you come to understand Bhima's uh, sort of uh, great sacrifice and so on, so things like that. So those were. Uh, 
uh, you know you never till then i had only thought of the mahabharata as some kind of a sacred story or something that you know, old women talked about in the house but i didn't know that it had so much of uh, uh, psychological and uh, you know the potential to 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 uh, to say something so deep so then i realized i wanted to read a lot of uh, literature that were written by authors who wrote in non english indian languages uh, so then i started the journey as uh, as a reader i think and then eventually when i realized that many of the translations i was reading was not great you know i felt maybe i can do a better job maybe i can try one or two stories uh, i i tried uh, that i mean and also translation is a way to understand the text better so in tamil when i yeah in tamil when i started reading uh, old tamil literature ancient tamil literature i would have a, i had a small notebook where it was like a dictionary so i would write down painstakingly the names of the, the new words that i was discovering in in uh, sangha tamil you know akeler uh, words like that uh, so think the words that i didn't uh, you know that is not a part of the normal conversation but it comes often in the poetry i had this then eventually that became uh, a translating the poem and then whether i could translate the poetry in the poem so that is how it started and then i translated a short story which won a prize and then i felt okay maybe this is something i can do uh, after all that is that's how it happened that that story is again uh, jay mohan sir i believe Yeah, yeah. This was in twenty. The story was published in twenty seventeen. It is called Periyamma's Words. Um, it's by Jaymohan. Yes. How did this particular book land in your hands for translation? So this happened because. Uh, uh, so I mean, after I after I uh, had published Jaymohan's short story, I translated some more of his short stories. uh try to place them in different uh, magazines and things like that and eventually i thought maybe i'll start working on a full length work um and i was working on a full length work and i'd sent uh, parts of that to some friends and uh, somehow uh, one one of those excerpts they landed in uh, um a uh, muttalingam sir's mailbox that and a muttalingam is another uh, you know giant of a master of a writer from tamil uh, another of my favorite writers i forgot to mention him in my in my earlier answer so he uh, he's based out of canada you know he has a very fine sensibility and um, and uh, i think he is very keen on uh, seeing tamil literature being translated and read by readers worldwide that sort of uh, i think that mission is sort of part of his um, uh, his uh, aims and uh, so he got in touch with me and uh, you know i was just thrilled to even talk to him uh, and when he said i would like you to translate this novel i said uh, i mean it's a great honor and privilege that you are considering a, 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 that my name as a translator for such a great novel but uh, i don't know if i can do it you know it's because a very difficult novel it's, it's also in dialect and I, i don't know if i understand that language uh, deep enough to do justice to it uh, i'll think about it i said i was also a little bit worried because at that time you know i had read era uh, monakam a very long time back in 2015 and at that point it was a, i found it a disturbing novel it was something i couldn't uh, you know i i don't i didn't know if i could really uh, finish translating the novel in a uh, in a short span of time so i thought i'll read it again and then decide so i did that so i i took some time and i read, read the novel in a couple of days uh, but at that time in 2021 when uh, mutulingam sir asked me when i read the novel uh, 
I was, it was, I, I, I think that I had also maybe grown as a reader by then, uh, and the novel just opened up, and I knew, okay, you know, this, this is something I have to face, face to the challenge of doing this. This is a brilliant novel, and you know, something uh, that 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 needs to be out there. So then I decided I would do it. Yeah. Tell us a bit about Jay Mohan, the writer, and uh, what his work means to you as a reader. So, you know, I think, uh, see, I, I wouldn't say that all writers are for all readers. Uh, you know, there is, uh, there is um, uh, uh, people have different sensibilities, people have different uh, demands of what they want out of the literature and all that. But I, I personally uh, started uh, reading, especially after my late teens, I started reading uh, not just as a way to um, occupy my time or, you know, as a distraction or because I wanted to uh, sort of live in another universe for some time, things like that. I think, no, I think for me, reading was a very sort of a, a very personal quest. I was reading authors. Uh, I mean, for me, my favorite authors when I was a, a late teenager was people like uh, Dostoevsky, Herman Hesse, Cousin uh, Sakis, like, you know, because I think for me, I had very fundamental questions that came from my relationship with religion, my uh, my understanding or questions about the world around me and uh, what I was doing in this world, what I wanted out of life, uh, things like that. Death, you know, the big questions. So that, and literature is uh, pretty much the last bastion there because if you, if you, if you have questions about organized religion, and uh, where the, where do you turn to? You go to the poets. You go to the 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 the, the literary masters. That is who. That is that is you. That is whom you can talk to. So you know that 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 strain I always had in me, and I think that is kind of what drove my reading, and which is what I think also distanced me from a lot of contemporary literature, because I think in contemporary life we are slowly moving away from that sort of a mentality, or maybe it's not just not uh, foregrounded so much in in, the, in contemporary literary discourse. So my uh, my ideal writers have always been people who wrote in the 18th or 19th century, like who wrote big novels. Tolstoy is a great favorite for me now. George Eliot is uh, another writer that I can always read, go back to. Uh, so people like that, you know. So I think uh, for me, that is the kind of writer who, uh, uh, with whom I feel uh, uh, I can talk to, I can discourse with. Uh, so that is how I discovered Jay Mohan. And uh, like I said, this, this book called Purapada, where, you know, he leaves home after the death of a friend and he goes all around India. And it's it's a travelogue. It's like... Uh, it, it's 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 but it's not you know it's not strictly speaking a travelogue it's also fictionalized it's it's seeing his travels through the eyes of a person who has uh who has this loss and these questions and who's undergoing this uh this tremendous uh journey in the heartland of india but also in his own some somewhere inside him also this journey is happening so this when i when you read something like that i think uh, you realize okay this this author he has something uh useful to or you know interesting to uh, to tell you if you care to uh, care to understand him more so then i started reading uh, more of his works and his major novel vishnupuram it is on uh, sort of uh, similar themes uh, on one hand it tells the story of sort of the rise and fall of of india it is centered in a temple town it's, in a, it's a temple town like you know kalasthi or tirupati or madurai or kanchi or ujjain um, so it's a fictional town uh, so it tells the stories that happen in three time periods. Uh, but in that, you know, there are individuals, human beings who c- 
come to this town with a quest of trying to understand themselves trying to understand uh, you know life and death and relationships and uh, the nature of time uh, why things happen the way they do so just just this discovering an author in my own backyard who have you know who was uh, thinking about such things uh, was really was really mind blowing for me so you know, i had to understand his work better so that think translating this novel is probably one step on that journey too that's nice yeah. uh, when it comes to this book the abyss uh, you said in the foreword uh, quote unquote yeah i felt as if i was tasked with the equivalent of rendering james joyce into tamil uh were you referring to ulysses yes and no i mean it's not a direct uh, comparison the reason i used james joyce is uh, because uh, the at least in in era mulagam there is a lot of uh, tendency to 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 refer to very arcane uh, 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 sort of uh, ideas and images uh, for example uh, you know there is uh, uh, there are lines which come from film songs for example and and uh, then there's uh, there's uh, references to siddhar padal mangai pal und malai meler pork so you know even things like that come into the savana pavan mele there's the first couplet that uh, in, the, in the first uh, lines in, in in english i forgot on the death bed of sin uh something like that right so that that those couplets they actually uh, refer back to other couplets in the literature so there is a lot of cross reference that that's there in in the, the cultural cross references that are there in the novel so you have to understand each one of them in order to uh, render it properly sometimes the jokes are about such very subtle things so if you want to you know make sure that the joke gets across in english you have to understand it first in the context in which it was written in. and then you have to find an equivalent way to render it in english and then it has to be funny also it's very hard <laughs> so no this uh, title of the book refers to seventh loka patala right yeah 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 and uh, then uh, when i yeah. finished reading it i thought it's actually referring to seventh rasa of navarasa that is bibatsa oh that's a good uh, uh, that's a very good uh, connection yes yes this uh, observation that this uh, this novel is uh, built on bibatsa rasa is something which uh, in tamil also other uh, writers critics um, have have uh, mentioned this uh, in fact i have also written a, <laughs> a, an article uh, uh, on this point you know uh, that uh, it's very because you know when jemol uh, is primarily a classicist so if you read his big novels uh, the it it Uh, uh, there is a sense in which each character the arc of each character is full and complete in itself while the novel is a complete novel in itself so it's a little it's like small circles in a big circle so there's a, there's a sense of completeness in every little thing that you 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 feel you know here though and and uh, the hallmark of classical literature is you know there is harmony and grace and beauty and balance you have all these things here it's you know it is very concentrated the rasa is very concentrated you know even when you enter the novel you are sort of the first you feel a sense of repulsion almost because it is so in your first chapter was very difficult for me to complete no that is that is what i meant when i was when i said in the, i think i, I was uh, uh, telling somebody yesterday this novel presents a, a kind of a, a, almost a barrier it's like an initiation you know you know you which only the readers who get past the initial barrier see when i read the mm. foreword i thought i am completely mm-hmm. prepared right i am set but it took me some time for me to move from first chapter to the second chapter 
No, that is what I meant. That feeling you feel, right, when you finish the first chapter. This, you know, that, that I don't think it's for all readers. There are readers who will immediately keep the book away and go do something more pleasant and okay, good for them. They don't need this book. But the the reader who wants to go past this and understand what is this, what is happening here, you know, what 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 is you know, because at the end of that first chapter, he looks up at a star. The star is still there, you know. It is it's a very uh, stable thing that is that is there in the face of all this that is happening yeah if not for that star that last couple of sentences i wouldn't have moved on to the second chapter no that is what that is what i mean by classicism that bringing it back so you know what happens is a, a lot of writers who want to focus on some uh, injustice and i think it's it's fair that they are moved by the injustice in society but then they you know go with a very broad brush and then they just want to show it in all its goriness and uh, then and then they show the violence they show the violence with uh, you know with a, with a my uh, magnifying glass so you see it in every level and then you are completely overwhelmed and you don't get anything out of it but a classical balance is precisely this when you place an incident like this in the larger canvas what does it mean and i think this novel once you go past this what happens is you are going further and further and further and further into the abyss so it's almost like seeing our own world reflected upside down in a small miniature uh, sort of a water droplet or something you know everything yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. If, you, if you know, yeah, you know yeah. what i'm talking about right when it's a reflection in a right. in a con- convex mirror or something every all the images are distorted so everything is exaggerated but then what what is there then when you start seeing it you see the same things that is over here so you see a woman who is so much in uh, you know she thinks correct, that a man correct, is her husband correct. because he tied a thali around her neck that is uh, that is you know and 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 it, and it and it is taken to its extreme everything is taken to its extreme and it's some it's some it's also so funny like i think your email said this right like uh, this um, uh, uh this uh, ramapan there's a character called ramapan who has um, uh, he's, he's he has leprosy so he's uh, but you know he's so uh, always looking at the women looking at their toes i mean is it so he is he's got a very aesthetic sensibility but it's a it's a pity that his fingers don't <laughs> so that that the point is when you come there and when you are able to laugh not just at them but with them and you know that that happens then i think uh, then all these differences go away so that is the, that is where the novel becomes something else altogether <laughs> it's very difficult to introduce a novel like this on Elgaru. This is, this is, you know what I mean, right? Because it's not a novel about beggars; it's a novel about ourselves. That means calling ourselves as beggars. You said it's very difficult to introduce this book to listeners. Now, please do the honors. Uh, talk about the book, uh, theme of the book, and uh, your favorite characters that uh, you really loved. So the novel is called The Abyss, and uh, it's by Jay Mohan, and uh, it's a translation of a Tamil novel called Eera Mulagam. And like you said earlier, Eera Mulagam literally in Tamil literally means the seventh world or the seventh abyss. Uh, so you know the in the traditional way they talk about the seven underworlds that it exists, Adalam, Vidalam, Sudalam, uh, and and so on. And and it ends in Padalam, uh, where is the seventh, the, the deepest one, supposed to be a bottomless one too. so that is the name he gave this world and uh, in a way it is what it is we are we are, the novel uh, brings us face to face with a sort of a life uh, that is that to our conception is really like somewhere in the depths but it's actually there all around us 
it is there all around us these things happen all around us but you know in in any literary work is not a documentation so it's not about you know it's not a, a story where you can learn more about the lives of beggars i don't think anyone reads literature for that it's about you know you have a certain sort of physical or a, uh, or a social phenomenon and through that what do we understand about humanity what do we understand about ourselves and if the novel can go into that then it's a it's a good novel right it's a it's a literary work and i think this novel is uh, i asked jay mohan this question in an interview right and he said uh, one way he said it's like an acid test for a human being you know you do a literary experiment almost you dial it up you know you take the suffer you see, you know there is the the maxim that all life is suffering so you take that and then you dial it to the maximum you go to the limit okay you take the suffering to the maximum dip human beings in acid almost you see what remains and i asked him what did what do you what did you find and he said it's the same thing whatever is whatever is noble in a human being anywhere else in the world you see the same nobility you see people feeding each other you see um, you know a, a, a sort of an, over, transcending your uh, the narrow confines of your life through art and intellectual activity uh, you see human beings uh, uh, you know uh, joining with each other in bonds of love which is outside any conception of uh, you know blood or anything like that so this is this is ultimately what what is there right and you know for me personally as a reader so the, i mean the book's uh, uh, arch there are two stories in it one is the story of potivelu pandaram who's a, a man uh, who's a god fearing man he's a devotee of murugan and he has a wife and three girls and he's a well, very very well respected member of his uh, society but then he also has a side business where he owns these these human beings and trades them and uh, makes them beg and ill treats them and all that and he doesn't have any guilt about it so that is one one story and what happens to him and his daughters uh, and his domestic life that's one thread of the novel the other thread is the life of these uh, these beggars and particularly one is muttame who has a baby and what happens in the space of one year when her baby is sold away and what happens next so that story right so there are two threads in the novel uh, but what we eventually come to is that they are not so different after all you know there are these two threads but they are actually mirroring each other in such uh, uh, astonishing ways and uh, uh, you know at some level when we follow these two characters we find ourselves in both finding a beggar in oneself is very shocking but finding pandaram in oneself is even more shocking so i think that is where the novel will bring you to and you know i like i said it's not for all readers but if if you are the kind of reader who can make yourself go through this process you will be much 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 richer as a human being at the end of it i feel that is my take away as a reader yeah yeah true see what really shocked me about uh, this pandaram is he can seamlessly move from being a complete rogue to being a very very devout uh, husband and compassionate loving father and all that in a second we are also like that you know <laughs> we are also like that you know it's uncomfortable truth but uh, we might not go as far as pandaram you know we might not in the, both in our both in our uh, sort of indifference uh, to other be- human beings or in our love we might not go in the middle of the night to buy bangles for our daughter that extreme also we might not go but both are there you know i mean so that, that is a very sobering realism but uh, that is i think one of the things that the novel teaches you
see the best you know part about the whole novel where i really enjoyed it thoroughly is that vandimalai uh, and madhav permal no they will be carrying this muttamai of the hill right uh-huh. and uh, parallelly the other people who are uh, walking with them up the hill mm. and uh, these are devotees carrying mm. uh, that mm. kavadi in telugu also we call that kavadi up the hill with puja offerings but these two fellows they are carrying muttamai i believe that's a really remarkable writing right it's, it's it's beautiful actually the way he depicted the whole scene it was one of my favorite uh, places to the way the uh, the evocation there it's so natural it's so part of that scene but then it just hits you when you realize that they are carrying this woman like they are carrying the cavities and then it hits you that you are correct it's a very brilliant uh, place and i'm happy that you noticed something like this and you know you're one of the first readers of the book so i'm very happy about that uh, uh there is one thing there you know when um, i was uh, talking to jay mohan after uh, having translated the novel about i was talking of we were talking about you know murugan temples or the pandaram culture and uh, about siddhar padal and all that uh they were talking about kavadi and he told me the history of how the kavadi evolved so today the kavadi that you see they are very lightweight things and lightweight wood it is made so it has a base in the middle and then that uh, arch like thing right so it's very light uh but earlier in the earlier days it used to be quite heavy and you know in the beginning it was basically like a beam balance so you would hold it uh you would hold it on your shoulder and on one side it will have a plate where you will take offerings for the god and on the other side you will take where it is food for you for, for the journey so it's it's two things two two plates one for you and one for the deity almost uh the fact that you know these two men uh, were were carrying this this woman uh well you know she she is uh, in a sense they, it's it's almost like you know they are carrying a religious um sort of uh, they are doing a religious penance themselves by carrying her all the uh, the goodness that the other punyam that the other people would have got by taking the kavadi they are also in a way getting it and you know that really makes you uh go really uh, it's a very uh, uh, disturbing feeling inside uh, you know um trapcha something inside you yeah that reference to that song panivilu malarvanam initially when i read it i was wondering why he mentioned this it's one of my all time favorites from ilayaraja but later i thought probably he is referring to those ridiculous dance moves in that film then i thought maybe he is referring to the play of god i think it's a very sub, sub, subconscious sort of a feeling for me that song uh, Uh, i mean i i only listen to it uh, i don't have any strong memories or nostalgia associated with that song but uh, i could uh, you know why why was he thinking of that song whenever he was thinking about his daughter i mean he just felt like yeah and now now that you tell me maybe that is why because the song is so beautiful and so you know dreamy and like humming like and the, the movements are uh, really like you know outlandish and sexy and uh, it's very it doesn't uh, gel at all and i think for uh, pandaram's his view of the world was also like that especially when you think that it was because you know he was thinking about his daughter maybe i don't know i i don't know so but i don't know if it's also worth uh, really reconstructing it because uh, it's for me that the, the the memory of the song in that line is uh, like you say it gives me more uh, than if we try to intellectualize it <laughs> i think you, you should ask mr jaymohan about it i would love to hear his answer and uh, recently i watched a film um nambagal neerathmaikam lijo jospelicheri right 
though it's a malayalam film uh, there are a lot of tamil songs and uh, that gives a context to the scene that is going on in the final chapter again uh, he talks about nana vital dinadandu vital song yes yes so that is a translation choice which i did to preserve the the lyric i didn't uh, translate the lyric or i didn't just gloss over and say that he was they were listening to some tamil song no i think that that is that you know that song that nana na ital if you if you listen in um, uh, youtube or something if you see the video in that mgr will have a whip okay and he will crack the whip so the song is not so much a song as the crack of a whip that is uh, you know it is uh, when i was a very watched that song when i was a very small child and for me it was so it was like a very powerful uh, message that you know if somebody cracks a whip that means they, they it's, a, it's like you know a lion hearing a whip crack okay so that there is a definite message of that you know this will win in the end and for me the no, that 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 whip crack i hear it in that song and for me that the novel actually ends on a very positive note uh, because there is that 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 uh, in tamil we say aanitanamana there is this very sure end to it Uh, but again all this is a very subconscious uh, connection you make because music is very uh, very uh, no it's not something which we can uh, pin down with words or say that this is the definite meaning or this is the intention of which the author put it in i don't know and honestly as a translator i thought just preserving the name of that song that they heard uh, so that somebody can google it somebody can find their own meanings is what is important so i just put it in in english words i just said nana anaita many songs are there and the, many songs are referred in the uh, in the novel another one is uh, is a malayalam song uh, it, uh, it's uh, ramapan singer it's called akkarayan ende tamasam ikkarayan ende manasam that is also a, a very popular uh, nazir uh, song from the 60s or 70s so i didn't know this song at all and when i was uh, reading the novel when i was translating the novel i found it and uh, there was you know this that novel that song now has also now become part of this this novel landscape so many strange things like that <laughs> i think uh, it happens when uh, so it's it's like you know it's an aesthetic choice why should a novelist why should a novelist bring music into the into the into the novel right uh, and I, i think by doing that they also change the meaning of that song so now that now those songs have become part of second landscape for me this so you you understand what i'm saying so those songs meaning of those songs have, have now become much uh, much deeper they are also images around us which the novelist is using so and the way he ends with mangandi swami singing again he ends it beautifully the novel in fact that character is very very uh, it's an enthralling character mangandi sami is uh, is not from any world that we can readily have a reference to we can readily understand i uh, know he when uh, when he was part of the beggars he was not opening his mouth he was not begging but he was singing and i think his singing is a, it's a, it's a very divine trait Uh, it is uh, it, it shows that he was at home he was comfortable and he was just expressing he was just creating he was just being and, and but you know you put him in another surround in another kind of surroundings you 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 know you you torture him you make him uh, sing those songs those songs are not for other people i think and you know then the, when he was begging it was not uh, that he was begging for his life or something he was begging as a Uh, as an insult he was throwing it in their faces almost you know so he 
uh, was uh, uh, that is i think that is his power that is where he is more powerful than uh, anybody else in the novel uh, including the people who owned him quote unquote who were uh, wielding power over him so i think that the last whip the whiplash that i talked about in that song uh, it belongs to the world of uh, mangandi sami he is uh, he's a very yeah, he he doesn't have arms he doesn't have legs he only has a voice but it is uh, it is a big clash so now when it comes to the process of translation right uh, how much time you took to translate the whole novel and uh, tell us a bit about editing and uh, any specific inputs you received from sri j mohan i took 4 months to translate the novel and uh, some of um, I, i i had to ask my friends for help with some of the 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 words that were very local to sorry malayalam or kanyakumari tamil uh, so that i had a couple of friends uh, whom i consulted uh, but uh, no i did not discuss it with uh, jaymohan till i finished uh, the whole translation then i spoke to sir so i i asked uh, asked him for about uh, one or two hours time to to clarify some questions where i thought uh, the author uh, only could answer them and it was at that time i was asking him about his, uh, his travels in in uh, when he was uh, 20 years old what uh, what he saw and uh, how all of that influenced the, the the writing of the novel and all that so some of that made its way into the interview also uh, but uh, you know that that i think uh, jaymon is also very uh, hands off when it comes to translation i think he trusts the translator uh, you know he doesn't give a work to a translator i think till he's trust them but then the process it's very a very independent uh, process and for me that really works i don't think i can work with an author uh, and because i think that translation itself is a sort of a very intense reading you you know you work with the text uh, and uh, you know you, you you internalize the text and then you try to uh, mirror that in in english so so that's a very personal sort of a process this particular book you know there's a lot of detail about cultural practices mm, those uh, which are described are very very specific to that region right and uh, what was uh, your approach basic approach for this translation was there any specific approach how to go about it because you are talking to you know english readers for me there were two steps right one is for myself to understand what i'm reading in in the in its entirety now when we read a book sometimes uh, we think we understand something but our mind actually skips over that we don't uh, understand every word very deeply and we don't go and understand the word meanings or the root meanings of the word or the specific cultural context in which that word occurs so when i read potivelu pandaram i say okay it's the name of a character and i say pandaram okay maybe it's the name of a caste so over that i don't think so much about it but when i'm translating that character has to become real it's a very fleshed out character so i should know everything about the character even if i even if it doesn't end up in the language of the novel right even as a translator i think that level of uh, intimate knowledge of that world you are building is important like a novelist will have so then i i, I basically did that I, i started to write a draft in english and wherever i felt okay i needed to understand something better i would go and ask somebody about it or read about it or uh, uh, no uh, and then and then i would come back and start writing it in english again uh, things like for example this murugan uh, temple worship why was murugan the central figure in the novel you know that was a question which uh, as a reader it was 
maybe my subconscious knew it before i did because i also grew up in a murugan worshipping town so that maybe it was there inside me but i had to know it i had to articulate it for myself then i went into the word root of murugan murugan muruga means alag muruga means beauty right and he is a very graceful uh, god always known for his uh, personal beauty but then in parani where the novel is set he is he is a beggar but he is in a temple that's built on a top of a hill and all the beggars are saying that it is made of gold so it's a, you know it's a very paradoxical kind of thing so so i and i felt uh, but for me all this came together uh, when i was uh, uh, contemplating on this uh, child that is born to muttamai right a small child and it is very normal in households when the small child is born to say he looks like murugan he looks like kannan or krishna so those god those two gods specifically they are uh, always compared that beauty of the form in the child form they are always compared to both murugan and uh, krishna so i realized okay this is this is where this is where it is that, that is why it is murugan it is referring all those influences i felt should be communicated in english um, for that uh, for that image to really communicate in its depth and you can't do it in a didactic way you can't teach the reader the reader will be bored out of their mind and it's not a good translation so you have to you have to fold it into the text also so it is you, you find ways to do it and uh, you do it so that is how i did it i think i wanted to really communicate the uh ethos and the culture in which the book is set because that is what the author is also trying to work with you read this novel 10 years ago right first time and uh, now you have translated it and uh, translation means it's a very intense form of reading so was there any change in your perception about the book when i read it for the very first time in 2015 like i said i was disturbed i think i was one of those readers who read it who read the first chapter and you know i felt oh this is very strong that's like i'm not very disturbing i'm not sure if i should go on but then i usually finish the books that i pick up so i finished it and it you know, i think a lot of it went over my head i didn't completely process that book so it was just something i filed away in back of my head demon uh, said and many things maybe this book is not for me i thought and i just filed it away uh but then when i read it in 2021 right before i picked it up for translation like i said i suddenly understood what this book is about it's about i was very i think the language the metaphors everything communicated to me the essence of the book uh but honestly after tra- but even then i thought it was a book about you know darkness it's a book about a, a very you know gritty thing it's about exist- it's about a very sort of existential um you know the, the mystery at the ha- the heart of existence itself the fact that you know we keep making forms we keep making uh, uh, you know when we create we are creating not just uh, beautiful forms but we are also creating misery so i thought that was you know where the book was trying to uh, was was trying to go but then you know when you when you actually rewrite a book or when you translate a book you are living in that world you are living a life Uh, and for me like jaymon says what came out for me after that was uh, only a kind of uh, sort of a bliss and uh, just just uh, i i think it there was a, there is a there is a catharsis in in going through something like that you know in, in real life we will not have we will not have such extreme experiences of course uh, this but this book uh, i think it does that it takes us to the limit of suffering but it shows us ways in which our humanness you know comes up, comes up again and again and again uh, and that when in the cycle of sort of uh, suffering liberation is not that far away it is actually very very close 
that feeling we can, and you know when i say there is that whip crack at the end and then uh, there is there's this ultimate hope in you know when 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 queen is so happy when he gets his feast when he's licking his fingers and smelling them saying i i don't want to wash my fingers because that smell is it changes the way you see, you see uh, you know you feel about things inside so i think uh, that that is uh, that that journey is very very important and it's uh, Uh, that is, I think, that is the only way I can also engage with literature. For me, literature is not a frivolous thing. It's not something I read because I want. Like I said, it's not about uh, uh, wanting beautiful style or language or wanting to see how what kinds of language uh, games uh, a writer can come up with. It's about things like this. So, <laughs> I I wouldn't say all readers have to be so intense, but uh, if you if you are a reader who has that sort of a thing, then I think this novel is for you. That's how I would say. Can you tell us briefly about this Molly Spaces, a platform that you created along with Priyamadar Kumar, who is incidentally the translator of Aram's stories? I must tell you, truly loved reading that book. You know, it's it's really nicely done. Priyamadar is another brilliant translator working out of uh, Tamil. Uh, she translates into English. I hope uh, you get uh, time to talk to her also sometime. Yeah, we will. Uh, she recently won the Penheim uh, Award for uh, so it's a, it's a very prestigious uh, translation grant. Uh, also for Jaimon's work, it's called White Elephant. Uh, so she's translating that work uh, right now. Uh, so premada and i we, we got to know each other um, in 2017 uh, you know we we uh, and after that we kept in touch but then when we started translating demon's works together we started talking to each other consulting each other uh, on you know, various translation problems things like that uh, and, and you know if any specific sentence trips us up we would talk about it uh, language we compared notes um, and eventually i think both of us sort of have a shared uh, passion for Uh, for serious literature uh, and uh, we both have this feeling that uh, you know regional literature is not represented as well as it needs to be uh, in the, in the english language uh, landscape and you know when people talk about indian literature it, there is this immediate thought that it is indian literature written in english while uh, and while you know indian literature i don't think uh, in the english language uh, is necessarily poor in any way or there is not good literature written in english or any of that but Uh, i think that um, uh, that that uh, this perception is just a historical artifact almost it's a 25 30 year old historical artifact to think that indian literature is literature written in english so i think that needs to be set right and uh, i think as translators it's part of our um, sort of duty to to do that and uh, i think that you know when it comes to literature readers the, the, when i say readers i mean the sathrudaya the shared heart kind of readers Uh, who understand the pulse of literature they exist in all kinds of places they are that i i know readers who read only in tamil who don't read a word of english or any other language but they are absolutely fine readers you know they are the people uh, uh, to whom the writers write to the who to whom the writers are yearning to talk to um, and then you know writing also uh, shapes the intellectual culture of an age it is how how intelligent we are and how perceptive we are how many new ideas we can come up with actually changes how idealistic we are how humanistic we are and uh, uh, our place in the world and all those things need an overhaul so we thought that you know, at a pan india level this con- these conversations need to happen we need to find similarly uh, passionate readers in other languages and you know finding harshaniam uh, was uh, just like amazing for both of us because we this is pretty much what we want to do 
uh, out of murri and you are you are already kind of doing it so this uh, this spirit is what we want to embody uh, ourselves we call it murri murri means language in, in tamil murri means language uh, and the reason we call it murri is uh, this letter ra that exists in tamil and malayalam uh it's a letter you know where the tongue folds back into the mouth but it doesn't really touch any part of the mouth you know so it's the sound that is produced uh without being attached to anything uh and this is sort of non attached uh you know uh, the sort of uh, sound that we we are looking we are looking for something that is not grounded in a single language but it is common to all languages yeah Yeah, can you please tell us about uh, your future projects and projects that you are working on? So now, um, at the moment, uh, I have two more novels lined up to translate, both by Jay Mohan and both are very important novels. Uh, one uh, one novel is uh, it's called Kumari Turevi. Uh, the name of the novel is Kumari Turevi. The tentative English title is The Daughter of Kumari, but I might change it later. Uh, so the premise of the novel is uh, is very interesting. Um, so in the in the 13th uh, century you know uh, 14th century early 14th century uh, madurai right madurai where i'm from uh, was uh, for a very brief point of time it was in the hands of uh, the delhi sultan and uh, after that what happened was the nayaka uh, army came in and it became a, a feudal state of the nayakas Nayakas took over Madurai, and they ruled over Madurai for almost three uh, hundred years after that, almost until the British came. Mm. So this, uh, so this, this came about as a, because you know there's a very strange uh, story about it that uh, uh, in uh, Vijayanagara at that point, uh, Harihara and Bukka they uh, founded this empire, and uh, uh, Kumara Kampana was the general. His name was Kumara Kampana, was the general, and uh, his wife. her name was gangamma and she was a poet so one day uh, as the story goes uh, the goddess meenakshi came in the dream of this gangamma and told her um, you know your uh, uh, you, you need to send your husband to madurai because i have been exiled from my land and uh, because of the sultanate's rule and the coil the, the temple has been raised down so you need to restore me to my temple so you need to tell your husband to wage war on them and uh, and uh, restore my temple back to its glory so she she conveyed the dream to him and he invaded and uh, that is how the nayaka rule came to madurai that is a very popular story and they brought meenakshi back to madurai so this 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 story uh, jay mohan weaves it into a very uh, sort of otherworldly kind of uh, tale so he sets the tale in uh, in uh, southern kanyakumari district it is called venad and the and based on one sort of it's just one line that he read in a history text somewhere that you know during the time when the sultans were ruling in madurai the idol of the goddess meenakshi had been taken away from madurai and it was housed in a small temple in a place called aralvai murli in kanyakumari district in kanyakumari in this venad kingdom so uh, so she had been kept there for all this time and finally when the nayakas came back and when they uh, uh, when they took over madurai they wanted the goddess back and uh, and the king of venad he had a hard time letting go of the goddess this is all in the novel this is not historical but this is the premise of the novel so the 
of Vaynar had a hard time letting go of the goddess because you know she had come to his land and you don't let go of a goddess who is who is taken residence in your your country. So this became a very big problem, and then the king resolved it. uh by uh, you know but after getting the advice from a, a wise person he resolved the problem uh by agreeing to a wedding so if the nayakas would come with shiva then he would give meenakshi as in as you know in marriage to them as his daughter and send her back that is the only way that she can leave his kingdom while uh, you know not uh, uh, damaging anything for him you know because kind of let go of a goddess underneath so this whole story is built on this premise of a king who gives away a goddess in marriage and sends her away so it's a story of a, of a of a wedding it's a so it's a historical novel at the same time there is an element of mythology in it there is an element of a, sort of a very psychological father and daughter relationship in it uh, a very 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 uh, unusual kind of work and it is entirely filled with a feeling of Auspicious, auspiciousness, and it's you no. Know, even though it's about gods and goddesses, I think it's also about human beings. I think you know that the, there's a line in his foreword where he says, uh, "If gods can play with human beings, then can't humans also play a little with the gods?" You know that. <laughs> Or the other way, if humans play with the gods, then can't can't the gods also play with the human beings? It's a very sublime story. It's a very small novel. and uh, translating that is another it's another challenge uh, but i'm working on that at the yeah. moment yeah what is the other book you said two books you are working on the other book is an early novel of demons called vishnupuram i was just talking to you about the the big fantasy novel yeah yeah very good very nice to hear that yeah. uh, when is this uh, first one coming out the first one i'm still working on the translation it's a uh, you know it is actually uh, it's a very small novel it's in terms of the number of words uh, and uh, in, in number of pages or whatever but uh, getting its emotions and its language right in english is uh, one of the hardest things i've done can you briefly take us through your association with uh, south asia speaks for so i was part of uh, this fellowship program called south asia speaks for 2022 uh it's a program that uh, was only i think it was in its second year at that point in the first year of its uh, journey premada my, uh, my my fellow translator she was a part of that program uh so what the program it, it was started i think by sonia falerio she is a writer um and maybe others i'm not entirely sure but it's a very good program it's meant uh, to identify uh, writers and translators from south asia um and mentor them because you know in the worldwide arena a lot of uh, writers uh, who come out of uh, europe or america they come out of uh, literature programs mfa programs so they have an understanding of the publishing industry and things like that uh, i think the publishing ecosystem is very different here in india in english and a lot of writers don't have or translators don't have access to that kind of uh, networks so i think it really helps to um, you know you know you get to work with a, with a mentor for a book and in my case i i it was me and uh, six other translators we were uh, working with arunava senpa um, one of the most prolific translators working out of india today and he is really a master at it and he um, uh, really helped to uh, sort of uh, identify some questions i had uh, 
with 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 translating the abyss and help to fine tune it so and it's, and my cohort was also like i was working with some alongside some really good translators in my cohort so all that was was very helpful um and you know i think uh, it also exposed me to sort of how english language publishing works it's a very different world from uh, what i know from tamil uh, maybe i think it's also true for other regional languages uh, but uh, you know these are all questions which i am also kind of contemplating at the moment uh, at the same time as i'm doing this interview uh, there is a tamil magazine called neeli it's um, it's, um, it's a magazine uh, focused on women's writing uh, but they are interviewing me as a translator and one of the questions that they are asking is you know why is the english media publishing like why is the english publishing world seeming seemingly so focused on promotions and marketing and things like that everything seems to be a product to sell uh, whereas there is a lot of idealism still left over in literature in the in tamil and other regional languages and that's a question i'm pondering over i don't know the answer for that uh, but i think you know Yeah, even things like this like south asia speaks i think it brings together a lot of different kinds of writers and translators you know those conversations need to happen i think we need to talk more about literature write more about literature and uh, that is when we will develop our sensibilities and uh, make you know make something original uh, uh, truly original yeah jay mohan uh, you know dedicates this book to jay kantan mm, why do you think he has done it Jayakanthan is a, another. Uh, I, I think I mentioned him in, in the list of writers who personally mean uh, uh, personally important to me. Uh, I mentioned Jayakanthan's name. He is uh, he is a he is not just a writer. I think he's just he's he's just a phenomenon. He's a force by himself. You know, very few writers are there. When we talk, when we think of an intellectual. an intellectual is one who lives by his mind and uh, you know they, they they work by their ideas and often we find that you know the life they lead and the the words they speak uh, need not be uh, the same thing they may say one thing and their life may be uh, very different and that's okay sometimes an intellectual ideas outstrips the reality of his or her life but jayakanthan was one writer whose life and whose words whose ideas uh, i think uh, we are not that different from each other for the most part so that uh, that that sense uh, is something you get uh, with very very few writers then he was a writer who was always he was one of the people and he wrote as one of the people uh, so very very grounded uh, sense uh, in his in his writing but he was a very spiritual man and you know his spirituality did not come from the sky it did not come from uh outlandish pronouncements it came from the lives around him he was his eyes his observation is just out of the world so he observed the life around him so much and he saw the spirituality in every man woman child and animal around him uh so that uh, it's it's uh, you know like i said i i came to reading because uh, i think uh, i was seeking writers like jayakanth and uh, that that is uh, that is and i know what jayakanthan is not just popular uh, uh, today you know he is he has been popular uh, uh, for almost three generations especially among women it's a very strange thing and i have always tried to understand why uh, my family in other families uh, there is no boundary of caste uh, no boundary of region uh, if you read tamil uh, if you have led a life as a tamil woman Uh, you somehow and if you're a reader you somehow uh, take jayakanthan seriously it's just something i've observed you know uh, so these these the, and, and and you know all these features of uh, what i what i just described um 
uh, have been inherited uh, to a large extent in this particular novel by Jay Mohan, I think, in uh, the absence, you know. Um, there is a short story of uh, Jay Kantan. I'm not sure if you have read it. It's called Nikki. This is a um, uh, very celebrated short story by Jay Kantan. It's a life of a dog. It's a life of a dog. So, you know, there's a dog that gives birth to five puppies and the mother dies and uh, all the puppies are cute so they are taken away by one or the other people in that uh, slum area in a slum area the, the, uh, in a rainy season the pups are born and only one pup is there which has a sort of a broken leg and nobody wants it so that that pup it has to make its way alone in the world so it's a short story it traces how that uh, pup you know goes out into the world and uh, uh, no, it's, it's so dirty that nobody wants to have anything to do with it and uh, the women, it goes and finds shelter in a house and the woman kicks it out into the mud again and uh, it's, it's so tiny that it's not even able to find food for it, itself then eventually it learns to find food and then it, uh, in a rain it becomes suddenly its coat becomes shiny and a little girl takes her in and calls her Nikki and uh, so now she has a name and now she has a owner but one day she, due to some accident she runs away from that house and she's never able to find that house again so you know her life just continues like this as a dog on the street eating what she finds growing on pretty much on, on human waste you know whatever human beings find as waste and they throw it away she eats it and she goes grows big and strong and then one day uh you know, she sees another dog and mates with it and has five puppies in a slum and uh, because now she mated with a dog which is from a high class or a pedigree dog, the, all the pups are so pretty that the people come and take the pups away and the mother is now left alone to uh, carry on with her life. That is the story. And the way he describes the dog's movements, it's, it's, it's yearning for affection and the way it moves with human beings, the way it moves with other dogs. Uh, that observation is what makes that story classic, you know. So by just telling us the the, the travel of a dog's life, he's able to make us look at what life means. So that that sort of uh, detail, that is what I mean when I say books, you know, stories can have this redemptive outlook. That this is this tells me something about uh, sort of my own life, I suppose. Uh, again, right? so this 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 novel, this the reason I mentioned the short story is uh, Abyss in many ways is very close to that spirit, you know. And in, 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 in all ways, I think uh, Demon has uh, drawn on his own experiences, but to the same extent, he has, uh, he is standing on the shoulders of uh, Jay Kansan uh, when he writes this, uh, this novel. And this is my opinion as a reader. Uh, I, I, and I feel that uh, this, this novel, in every way, it is worthy of being dedicated to <laughs> Jay Kansan. And uh, in translating the novel, you know, I now I feel like okay, this is uh, this is something that has now flowed through me also. So I'm very happy about. It. In that sense, it's a very redemptive sort of work. Thank you, thank you for your time. Thank you, thank you so much for having me. This, uh, like I said, this the podcast uh, that you're doing, uh, you know, introducing literatures from all over India to your readers in Telugu. Uh, this is amazing and uh, you know if, if English is a strange language that somehow we are all talking in but uh, if uh, this is the, probably the only way that we can find uh, other uh, sort of uh, great thoughts that's happening in our country so I'm happy if I'm able to find some readers through your podcast thank you very much thank you very much I really enjoyed the conversation and uh, wish you all the best